Hello, hello. Hey, Diet Riders. Welcome back to the podcast with Brooke mm-hmm. and Alyssa Miller. Both dietitians. Both moms. Both from the Midwest. Both live in Colorado. Uh, that's about it. I know. We need like an easel with it all listed out. We've got a lot We're of pretty... similarities, right? We're both Millers, uh-huh. but not really. Not really. Married but... into the Miller name, at least. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Anyways, welcome back, guys. Today we're talking about postpartum and mental health. Yes. So yeah. postpartum depression, anxiety, the fun All stuff. The fun stuff. <laughs> It's going to be a really happy episode. Really happy. You're going to be dancing. There's going to be lots of dancing and cheering and it's real exciting. Yes. Yeah. Postpartum depression, anxiety, but it's some stress disorder, psychosis. Yes. Fun stuff. Really I think, exciting. I think we wanted to do this because A, we're both postpartum. Yep. Fun time. Um, and Lots of hormones over here. Yeah. <laughs> but we think it's so important that we talk about it because yeah. it seems like it's kind of a taboo subject that people don't want to talk about. Yeah. And we both feel that mental health is just as important as physical health. Yeah. I think, I mean, for me, I need mental health first before I can have physical health. I would agree with that. <laughs> I like yeah. can't, I don't know. I was really bad at working out when I was like, just not in like the best headspace or whatnot. Right. And I feel like working out helps my mental health. Yes. Like, oh, for sure. The, they go hand in hand for sure. Mm-hmm. I feel like the main reason I exercise is because I know it's good for my mental health. Yep. Yeah. So it is. So we're going to talk about that today. So yeah. So do you know what percentage of women experience baby blues? Ooh. Oh, baby blues. Baby blues. Okay. First, let's say what the baby blues is. So after having a baby, your hormones uh-huh. go berserk trying to figure out yeah. your body again that you no longer have a second human being living in it. Mm-hmm. So basically you go through what they call the baby blues where your hormones are starting to regulate. I bet, gosh, it's got to be like 85%. 70 to 80. All right. So yeah. yeah. I figured. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, did you did you feel like you had baby blues? I don't like know. First, it's hard I, th- to I think it says it like anything after like the first six weeks of postpartum is considered something different. Like it's like baby blues is the first six weeks. I don't think I had baby blues, but it's hard to say because I left the hospital without my son. Yeah. And mm-hmm. leaving your kid in the NICU and going home without a baby is really awful yeah and so i don't know if that was baby blues or if that was just normal response to the NICU because, life yeah yeah you go home we actually had friends over like when we when i got discharged we had friends over for dinner and it's like weird to have this new baby you had friends over for dinner the day you got discharged yeah you're too social yeah that's too much but it's like they're all like oh congrats how's your baby and you're like I don't know. They're in a hospital Aww. without me. And then I like had to just pump and set an alarm and like wake up by myself. And it was really sad. That is so, so sad. So I feel like once we took him home. Yeah. I didn't feel that. I was so excited to have How him home. How long was he in the NICU? A week. Okay. Yeah. So. Okay. So it would be way worse. Postpartum. Was... Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's all bad. The idea of leaving the hospital without your baby is like so sad it's terrible you see like i remember that day i left the hospital and i saw all these moms getting wheelchaired out or like walking out with their babies and so happy and i like i obviously knew it could be way worse i could be leaving forever without a baby which is the worst case scenario um and see we talked about how fun this podcast is gonna be yeah and i mean i know moms that that's happened to and so i just kept telling myself like i will get to bring him home eventually so i need to just 
like ending to just be okay because I'm lucky that he will be coming home at some point. Okay. Sorry, guys. We had to pause. There's like a little mental breakdown. <laughs> we got to get an office. Our households are both falling apart right There's now. lots of people going Just on that need us. Crying That's kids. hard. When mom stopped to record podcasts. Both of our kids are crying. We're going to find an office in between us so we don't have to drive so far to each other's house. Yeah. That has no kids and no dogs and no... Just wine and coffee. Just... And snacks. Stocked with wine and coffee and, and snacks. snacks. Wow, this sounds like a dream. It have you seen like Date Night with Steve Carell and oh, Tina Fey? no. Okay. <laughs> yeah, the, you guys have to watch it. It's so funny. But at one point, Tina Fey, who has two kids, I think they have two kids, she's like, sometimes I daydream about renting a hotel and just sitting in it, drinking a Diet 7-Up. <laughs> it's like the funniest things. It's like, it's just quiet. And that's all I want is to drink... My drink in peace. Well, that's like, Jesse and I got a date night the other day, uh-huh. or date day. We went to a distillery and like had some drinks. And then I was like, we got more time. What should we do? Uh-huh. I was like, can we just go to Target? I just walked aimlessly in Target just after walking. two drinks. <laughs> just like walking around. I was like, what can I buy? Parent life. Like, when you don't so have a kid. I don't have a kid with me. I can just like go wherever I want. Because when, when you have a kid <laughs> and you're out, you ha- are on a clock. It's like, it's like I'm going to have oh. to nurse this baby soon yep. or feed the baby or put them down for a nap in their crib. Like, I don't want them to fall asleep in the car on the way home. I want them to nap in their crib. Blah, 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 blah. Oh my goodness. It's so much just being on a freaking clock. Yeah. Which is ridiculous. So yeah, back to that. Yeah. Baby blues. Did you <laughs> so feel baby blues. baby blues? I think so. I think I definitely had... I remember crying my eyes out because my son was five days old and I looked at my mom and I held him up and I said, he's never going to be five days old again. And I bawled my eyes out. So like for sure that was just clearly hormones Hormones, being freaking crazy. But it's also true and sad that your kid's never going to be as young as they are today, which is really sad. Neither are we. I know. We're never going to be in our 20s again. We have to pause again so we can cry. We hit 30. My husband's going to be 31 soon. So are you, before he is. Uh, Yeah, I'm going to turn 31 before he turns 31. Yeah, just barely. Pretty close. My husband's 32. So old. Old man. So old man. He's basically mid-30s, almost 40. All right, anyways. No, don't let him listen to that. He's going to have a a midlife crisis when he hit 30. I feel like I'm probably going to have one pretty soon. Oh, but no. at 35, I'll hit a midlife crisis. Yeah. And then you, you and I can just go to Mexico for our midlife crisis. All right. Leave our kids. Bye. Bye. See you in a week. And husbands. Maybe no two. No, we're just going. <laughs> and again, wine, coffee, and snacks. <laughs> yeah. In Mexico. Guacamole. Oh, at Jill's friend's house. Boyfriend's yeah. house. We can go to that Mexico part for free. Yeah. Anyways, while we plan our vacation. Baby blues. Yes, I definitely felt like I had the baby blues. But in the moment, like in the throes of things, and this is how it was with pregnancy too, where it's like, oh, do you have any mood swings? No. Like you, you don't realize it Mm -hmm. until you're far away from it. And then you're like, oh Oh, yeah, that was clearly hormones. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. I definitely think I had baby blues. And then not so much with Nora though. I I think every pregnancy is different. I don't, I, and I feel like at least with postpartum depression, anxiety, they're always like, if you had it Mm -hmm. the first time or at some point, you're more likely likely to have it again. Yeah. Well, with Nora, I've been like so happy and no, I don't feel like I had baby blues. I don't know. I've like loved every second of it, but I also feel like I know where it's going. Like now that I have a three, almost four year old who I like love and adore and like who loves me and is like so sweet mostly (laughs) that it's like I already know how much I'm gonna love this baby even Mm -hmm. though all she can do is look at me and ask me to feed her (laughs) 
can't even talk. So anyways, that's kind of, it's been better this time around for sure. Yeah. And postpartum depression uh-huh. is between 10 and, or 10 and 20% actual diagnosed postpartum depression. Okay. Actually diagnosed. So I do wonder right. about that. It's like, I wonder if it's way higher and it, it just doesn't get diagnosed. Because I had, I don't know what I had. And it's like hard now when I'm out of it to look back and be like, okay, what was I in? Because I was definitely in some sort of fog mm-hmm. from like after baby blues hit with Aiden to when he was a year old, like it mm-hmm. took a full year. And then all of a sudden I was like, it felt like this fog lifting of like, oh, I'm happy again. <laughs> like, oh, I enjoy going out with this baby. Or I, you it feel took like yourself. Me, mm-hmm. Yeah. And Josh and I, like I talked to you about, we didn't start date nights again till like six or eight months old. Like That's way too late. we didn't start saying yes to stuff for six to eight months. Yeah. It was way too late. We were the only ones with kids out of all of our friends for the most part, like, except for my brother and sister-in-law who lived across the country from us. Like we had mm-hmm. no one with kids. So every time someone would ask us to do something, it was like 6 PM the night of, and they're like, Hey, do you guys want to come over tonight? And we're like, no, we can't just like get up and go like mm-hmm. without a babysitter lined up or right. overnight skiing or whatever. It's like, we can't do these things on a whim. It has to be super planned. So our life, it just totally shifted. And so you kind of have to like mourn, <laughs> being able to leave the house in under five seconds, like Mm -hmm. being able to make plans with friends and not have it be a month in advance. Like so many things just shifted in us and it took us a really long time to catch up, especially Mm -hmm. because we were the only people that had kids. So Mm -hmm. no one else was at that stage yet. So they didn't understand our life. So they kept inviting us to stuff we had to say no to. And then we didn't like, we couldn't keep up with their life as far as like, Hey, do you want to go ice climbing? No, I don't. Mm-hmm. No, I wouldn't postpartum. Have done that now either. <laughs> That's true. I wouldn't have done that a year ago. Just so many things that were like, oh, I can't take you know twelve hours to go hike a fourteener and go to like mm-hmm. a brewery. Like, I mean, I could, but it would be a big pain in the butt, and I would miss type out time with my son when I was working full time. So mm-hmm. it was like a different balance than like other friends had. Right. And that was a struggle. But anyways, so I don't know really what I had, but I definitely struggled with something of just like mourning my old life Mm -hmm. while also being totally in love with my baby (laughs) at the same time. So that was really hard. Yeah. Well, and I think a lot of people, I think it's taboo to like have postpartum depression. Yeah. Even though we don't think so personally, but Uh I think a lot of people look at postpartum depression as like, you don't love your kid as much, which is not true. Right. Or you... Um, yeah, you're not happy. You're not happy to be a parent. And it's like, yeah. that's not it either. Um, you can have, and this is like, I feel like our world in general has gotten so binary where it's mm-hmm. like, you can't feel this and that at the same time. So you can't be mourning right. your single life without babies to, and also love your baby more than anything. But that's true. Like, that's really what I was feeling all the time was this constant pull of like, I miss the days that I could just do whatever I want, whenever I wanted with whoever I wanted. And not yes. pack a diaper bag and 16 million other things to leave the house or make plans with a babysitter or make sure my parents are free or whatever. And, but I also love this human so much that I didn't want to be away from him to go on a date night or to go hike with my friends. I wanted to see him, especially because I was working full time. So I didn't get yeah. much time with him. And it never felt like enough time. And I, it was always a big sacrifice to take like a night off or a day off or overnight or a vacation away from him. Right. But at the same time, I missed my life before I had him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's such a weird pull on your heart of, like, confusion. 
which just makes things worse. And then when people don't talk about it, you feel more alone and more yes, isolated. Yes, you feel more alone. And Absolutely. you're like the only one dealing with this. <laughs> and you go online yeah. and you see all these moms talking about how they were built to be a mother and everything's going perfect and breastfeeding's easy and I have no <sighs> issues and my kid never throws things. Yeah, and you're like, what oh, am I okay. doing wrong? Exactly, you know? yeah. And the other thing with postpartum depression is 10% of men have it, and they don't screen men. No. Mm-mm. At all. And Mm-mm. I think that that needs to really change. Like For sure. To, like, every time I got screened, a lot of times my husband was with me, and he's like, well, I'm feeling some of these things. Why aren't they asking me? I'm a parent, too. That's such a and good I'm question. And I'm like, yeah. you're right. You're yeah. 50% of the parent. Mm-hmm. Like, even though you're not doing the feeding... But, like, you're still just as much of a parent as I am. Why aren't they asking? Yeah. Why aren't they asking both parents these questions? Mm-hmm. Because it's, yeah. And then, another thing, they don't ask people about postpartum anxiety. Right. Yeah. And that is something that I've been struggling with. And I had to, like, literally Google, is this a thing? Am I crazy? <laughs> Does this exist? And yeah. then I, like, read through the symptoms. And I'm like, oh, okay, I think I have this. I need right. to do something about it. Um. So... And that's, like, when I look back, when I look at, like, all the symptoms or the, you know, I never got diagnosed with anything, but whenever I look through the symptoms, I feel like I resonate more with postpartum anxiety Mm -hmm. because I had never experienced anxiety before in my life before being pregnant. Like, before I was pregnant, nothing. Mm -hmm. No panic attacks, no stress, no, like, well, no stress, but, like, no excessive stress to the point Mm -hmm. of, like, anxiety or worrying about it or letting it control me. And then postpartum was, like... I was so worried about SIDS and so worried about just every little thing going wrong or breastfeeding, my milk was going to dry up or my, you know, everything. And I, I stressed mm-hmm. about getting a freezer stash of like a hundred ounces before I went back to work, which is insane or whatever it was. I, I had so much anxiety about that. Mm-hmm. And now I look back like, it's all going to be okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah. in the moment you can't, you can't see it. You know? Right. And, like, physical symptoms, like dizziness, nausea. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, constant worry, feeling like something as bad is going to happen. And I think that's, for me, that was the main thing is, like, constant worrying. And, again, I don't know. I have a special needs baby. I have a baby who went through open heart surgery. I had yeah. a baby who was in the hospital. I had a baby that I was told throughout my pregnancy time and time again he was probably going to die. Um, oh, my so, goodness. I mean, so much. I had a yeah. lot going on. But, I mean, I even saw a therapist and said, I have a lot of anxiety. He's going to get leukemia. Now that we're past open heart surgery, I still have anxiety. And my Mm -hmm. therapist's response was, oh, yeah, my three-year-old niece died of leukemia. Okay, A, as a therapist, you don't tell somebody that. No. struggling with that. So I'm going to find a new therapist. Yes. But, you know, it's just like, it's like this overwhelming fear that, like, I was always worried, like, oh, I'm so worried about heart surgery. I'm so worried he's going to die during heart surgery. I'm so worried he's going to have a complication and die. And then all of a sudden he made it through heart surgery. And now it's like, okay, leukemia. Like, now this is something I have to worry about until he's essentially four, pretty Mm -hmm. much. Um, So now it's like, how do I call myself to not think that he's going to get leukemia and die for the next four years? Obviously, I need to figure that out because that's not something I can can have in my life. But a lot of... And in the end, it's like you can't control these things. Like, that's what I would deal with with Josh was all the time like, okay, I know I can't control some of these things. Most Mm -hmm. of these things I can't control. Right. But I'm getting so anxious about it. And Mm -hmm. all I needed to hear was that I was validated and getting anxious about it. Like, it's Mm -hmm. okay that you're worried about this. You're actually a good mom for worrying Mm -hmm. that he's going to get sick. 
but also don't let it consume your life. Right. But I didn't want to be shrugged off. Like a lot of times right. Josh or anyone else in my life would just be like, you can't control it. Don't You're worry fine. about it. Yeah. Don't worry about You're it. You're fine. Yeah. Oh, let me just not worry about it. Yeah. Oh, I okay. didn't realize I just had to not worry about it. Great. Because I'm going to be up yeah. for three hours on my phone researching every research article about yes. it and right. finding out why my son, like, exactly. it's just, that's what we turned to. And I think we have yeah. the same personality type too. Totally. We're like, we're going to research it yes. until we know everything about it. And uh-huh. it does, doesn't help with yeah anxiety. And But oh. at the same time, you don't want to feel powerless. So it's like, you right. hate feeling powerless. So you want to research about it so that you can look for the signs. So maybe you can stop it before it happens, whatever it might be. So that you feel like you have pseudo control over the situation mm-hmm. when you really don't. But you don't want to, you want to be armed with the knowledge that you can. So that if right. something did happen, you don't feel quite as off guard. Which has never worked for me. Anytime I feel like I I'm preparing for something and it happens, you never feel you prepared. No, it's true. So, but it is, <sighs> it's like a, you know, and it's hormonal too, right? Mm-hmm. When you're dealing with some of those feelings, it's hormonal and they tend to cycle into each other and snowball that snowball effect of like, if I start down this rabbit hole of now I'm afraid of this, then I start, oh, and also this and maybe this and my friend, this happened to my friend and this, you know, whatever. And it mm-hmm. starts to snowball and get worse and worse. And it's hard to pull yourself out of it and it's hard to see it. But usually people around you can see it mm-hmm. and what you're going through. Right. And so my doctor even said, like, if you're going to develop postpartum anxiety, your spouse is going to be, or postpartum depression, your spouse is going to be the first to notice. Mm-hmm. And I would say that that's true. Like, mm-hmm. because vice versa, whether it's your husband or you or spouse or whatever, like, right. if one of you is experiencing postpartum depression, the first person that's going to pick up on it is your significant other. Yeah. Absolutely. And so you need to be willing to talk to your significant other about that if you think that they're struggling with that. Um, so anxiety, postpartum anxiety is not as common as postpartum depression. Mm-hmm. It's 6% of pregnant women develop it and then 10% of postpartum women develop okay. it. Yeah. So it's still And lower. that's all diagnosed. Like, that's diagnosed. By a doctor. Yes. Yep. Because I do think there's so much I think there's undiagnosed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, I mean, like with me, all those screening tests, I was like... And it's, it's the same one they give to all women. It's like 10 questions and it's like sometimes, always, never, like however you're feeling about it. So they all use that same test and it's easy if you don't want anyone to know that you're struggling with postpartum depression, I think it's easy to lie on that test. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> They're not even like asking you in person, at least our midwife or doctors weren't. Oh, it was like a were. sheet. Yeah. They would ask us like at the end of the meeting or at the end of the meeting. At the end of the appointment right. or whatnot, certain things. But the sheet that we had to fill out that everyone has to give, like, legally. Right. You could totally lie in there and oh, not actually get found out that you have, because you don't want to. And the thing I found hard was, like, I don't want this to be something I'm labeled with. Right. Because, like I said, it is more common if you have it once to get it again with your mm-hmm. subse- subsequent kids. But really, at least in the experience that I've had already with between my first and now my second, absolutely not it's been a hundred percent different right which then makes me think that i was struggling more with like a post-traumatic stress disorder from my birth experience which is really common with c-sections yes because i was planning this natural birth i didn't want anything to do with medications or drugs or anything and i ended up with the least natural quote-unquote birth that i could Mm -hmm. and had a belly birth and it was completely different than what i had planned and i'm not good when things don't go to plan yeah (laughs) and now with Nora getting my V back and having the planned birth that I wanted and was really excited about, it really made things a lot easier postpartum for me. And postpartum healing was better. And physically, you've just felt better. Everything. So now I'm like, maybe that's kind of what I was struggling with more, you know? Yeah. I think. 
Um, so yeah, so postpartum anxiety is about 10%. Postpartum depression is 10 to 20%. Um, but they don't take into account stillbirth and miscarriage Aww. in the statistics. So obviously, if you have yeah. stillbirth or miscarriage, you are like you have to have some sort of form of depression. So like they're not even considering that. And if they do consider that, then they're guessing about 900,000 women in the U.S. Wow. have it. Wow, that's crazy. That's a lot. I for sure went through like a depressive state after having a miscarriage. It was like a good yeah. three months of just like sadness. I think anybody would. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it didn't feel good. No. Ugh, it was and even like stillbirth, especially. Oh, I just, I goodness. can't imagine. I couldn't. Getting over that. It's all bad. Ever. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's all bad. It's, it's all, all bad. bad. It's all bad. It's all bad. This is the part you should be dancing to and really excited about listening to. I know. It's all bad. bad. This is just... um, Also, they found that adoptive parents, um, 8% had postpartum depression compared to biological, who had 16. So if you adopt, you can still get postpartum depression, so it's not all hormonal. However, it's like half. Like It's like half of the people, you know. That's interesting. Half, yeah. yeah, compared to the biological. Yeah. That's really interesting. So, yeah, because I think a lot of people do think that postpartum depression and anxiety and all those things are just hormonal. And although that is true, there's a there's a lot of hormones that they don't understand changing within, like, dad's body. They've seen right. that. Like, dads get it, so it's not clearly 100% yeah. hormonal. And adoptive parents get it, like, especially if you were doing, like, the skin-to-skin, those hormones are really changing. Mm-hmm. And so... I think it can be hormonal more for just the mom who just birthed the baby. But then also it is a lifestyle difference. Like whether you're going from zero kids to one, one to two, seven Mm -hmm. to eight, whatever it might be, your lifestyle is changing every time you have a kid. So you're going through major ebbs and flows in your life of we life used to look like this for us, or I used to be able to do this, or I used to be able to go here or drive this car or whatnot. Mm -hmm. And now it's all different. Mm-hmm. For a very long time. Forever. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, that's like when we had Aiden, we were so wanting to have a baby and we're so excited and like still were afterwards. But you don't realize the nooks and crannies of your life. It's going to change. Like, mm-hmm. you know, your life is going to change. And I hate telling people, oh, you have no idea until it happens. Because I hated being told that all the time mm-hmm. with kids or marriage or college or whatever it might be. People say that all the time. But it's literally, yeah. it is ev- there is not one part of my life that's the same before kids as after. You know what I miss the most? Sleep. <laughs> I was going like to say. sleeping whenever Right I now, sleep. Yes. <gasps> Absolutely. I really missed when my nipples didn't hurt. <laughs> my nipples don't hurt. It's I was great. mostly joking. But I was still. like, my one nipple hurt for a while. Really? And I was like, what's happening? My other nipple doesn't. And I know this is not how it's supposed to feel. <laughs> Now they both feel great. Breastfeeding's not supposed to hurt. Yeah, and it doesn't now. <laughs> yeah. Mine only does when we end up co-sleeping, and she, like, doesn't latch on super well while we're, like, laying, but I, I don't notice it. I got a hickey on the side of my... She, he missed. <laughs> I was, like, we were half asleep, and I was, like, I think he was just trying to get on there, but he couldn't. That's hilarious. <laughs> so like, I had a solid hickey. Yeah. That's hilarious. Oh, just speed up a little bit. Um... Another thing, half of men who have partners with postpartum depression go on to develop depression themselves. Really? So if you have postpartum depression, which is 10 to 20% of women, if you get it, your husband is 
like 50% going to get it. I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. But men can still get it without their partner having it. And that's hard too for men. I mean, for women, it's hard already to admit, but then for men to admit, like, I think it's even harder. That's so hard because you don't feel validated and like, like, oh, I can't have postpartum depression because I'm not the mom or I'm I'm not not the one that gave birth. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So that's really interesting to hear that. And something that I don't feel like is talked about enough at all, let alone even just women with postpartum depression or anxiety. Like, those things need to be more normalized so people feel safe to be able to chat about it. So, now let's talk about what we do when we struggle with some of those feelings. What have you done to help Mm -hmm. with it? Because I remember with Aiden, exercise was... Yeah, exercise is huge. Yeah. That's something I can do every day or like every, you know, every time I'm feeling really anxious, I can yeah. go do or take a bath mm-hmm. or do yoga. That's like a form yeah. of exercise, obviously, but just like doing gentle, like stretching. Yoga. Yeah. Even just the, it's more like the mental Med- release than meditation. The physical. Mine was mm-hmm. like 100% physical, large spurts of energy release would help so much, mm-hmm. but it was also the least thing I wanted to do. So like in the right. moment, I was like, no way. And honestly, what got me going and started mm-hmm. in that direction, because it's literally like that snowball effect of like, if I just start with a walk and or I just start with a, you know, it goes from a walk to a brisk walk and then from a brisk walk, maybe I'll go for a run or mm-hmm. the more you get outside or the more you get, you know, your blood pumping, I think the easier it is to do that again. Mm-hmm. And honestly, what got me in that space is walking at work when we used to take our lunch walks. So we all used to take power walks on our lunch breaks. We would go like a mile and a half, sometimes two miles in 30 minutes, which is pretty fast speed walking. Yeah. I mean, I run like a 12 minute mile. (laughs) (laughs) So it's pretty fast for like speed walking and it would just get me out there. I think the other thing is for me was sunshine, like vitamin D Mm -hmm. cannot be over promised over whatever. Yeah, vitamin D is good. Vitamin D is so good. (laughs) Like sunshine and the breeze and outside, especially Colorado life, looking at the mountains, it's just so relaxing and it reminds you of like how small you are. Mm -hmm. And like, I don't mean that to come off negative, but like sometimes depression, anxiety can make your problems feel so big and like you're so, um, like everything's crashing around you and everyone else has it easier. And then you're like, when you're reminded at how small you are in the world and how many people there are to serve and to help and everyone else is going through their own struggles, it reminds you to kind of put yours into perspective. Not that it's not valid and not that it's not hard, but it's everyone has hard things and you can do hard things. Mm -hmm. And I think just being outside in the wilderness (laughs) in the Colorado Mm -hmm. life reminded me of like, to breathe deep and remember that everyone's going through their stuff and this will pass. Mm -hmm. So exercise, getting outside. And I think like the, everything is just a phase and that can go good or bad. But that was like Mm -hmm. a, literally a motto for me was like, this is just a phase. This is just a phase. Oh, he's only nursing while I stand up and bounce him. This is just a phase. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, the things that are hard, this is just a phase and it will pass, you know? Yeah, and I think um, one thing, like, a lot of people are scared to ask for help is because they're like, I don't want to be labeled and I don't want to be on a medication. But Mm -hmm. a lot of times medications are safe to, like, nurse with. Right. And, like, they're safe for you to do. So Mm -hmm. I I think it's try not to be afraid of medications if that's the route that you and your doctor decide to go. And then therapy is a good place to start because maybe you don't need a medication if therapy is going well. There's some, some things that you can try treating it with first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the medication thing is like, 
just know that getting on a medication doesn't mean you're going to be on that medication Forever. for life. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it can be just something to kickstart your body, kick it back into gear so it produces the right amount of serotonin or whatever to get you back into a healthy mind state. Mm-hmm. And like I said, pull you out of whatever your fog you're in so that you can see it clearly and for what it is. Mm-hmm. And sometimes medication is what is needed or therapy, someone else to hold mm-hmm. up a mirror and say, Hey, this is what you're struggling with. And this is what the reality is. Cause a lot of times what we're struggling with or worried about or stressed mm-hmm. isn't even real. It's perceived. So right. when someone else holds up a mirror to us, we're like, Oh, I can take a few steps back and realize that that's not actually what's going on. That's not actually how I am feeling or, um, should be feeling or, I'm blaming someone else for the way that I'm feeling when really I'm making that choice or something along those lines. So therapy and medication can be really good for stepping back and realizing that you can kickstart your body and down a new path. And mm-hmm. like I said at the beginning, at the top, at the top of the podcast, um, exercise was really hard for me until my mental health was in the right space to go and exercise. So if you struggle with that, that's something that medication can help with or therapy or talking to a friend that you mm-hmm. really can trust to get you in a place of, oh yeah, I'll just start with this one small choice or I'll just start, you know, the other thing too is nutrition is so important. Mm -hmm. Like to get your mental space, feel good about your body, feel good physically is eating the right foods that serve your body well so that you can have clearer thoughts (laughs) and all that. It all kind of comes at once. You have to like start with something and then let that snowball effect into making better choices physically, emotionally, spiritually, and nutritionally too. So, right. And they found that like 80% of cases or so can be healed, um, of postpartum depression. So whether that's therapy or medications Mm -hmm. and I mean, they heal 80% that I don't even know, like with that other 20%, I don't know. Did they not try therapy and meds? Did they just try one or not the other? You know, like, I don't know, maybe it could be higher if people are willing to try other things. Yeah. Um, but there are other things. So like postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety are the most common, but there's also postpartum panic disorder mm. where they feel like where they're getting panic attacks. Okay, um, yeah. And then there's also postpartum obsessive compulsive disorder. Oh man. Um, a girl at my church actually was talking about that for a while, um, about having the obsessive compulsive feelings mm-hmm. just postpartum. And it was related to like her son being in the NICU and all of that, which Ugh, I totally yeah. understand now, like how yeah. you can get to that point. Um, but it's where you actually have obsessive compulsive disorder from being like postpartum. Yeah. Um, and then the most dangerous kind, which is like also the most rare, it's postpartum psychosis. Mm-hmm. Only... This is what I think everyone thinks of. Yeah. When you say postpartum depression, they're like, oh, you want to kill your baby? You're like, no. Yeah. Postpartum psychosis is like one out of every one to two, between one and two women out of a thousand. Uh-huh. So it's pretty Experienced. rare. A, some sort of range of psychosis. Right. And so... But on TV and everything, the psychosis part is like killing your whole family or right. thinking about hurting yourself or something like that. And it's like, okay, this is super rare because out of the moms who get depression, it's only, you said, one or two out, out of, of a thousand. thousand. And then 10% of those cases either end up with mom killing baby or mom killing herself. So... 10% of out the of, two of 1,000. So it's not high. Out of the ones that have depression. It's so not high. super low percentage. But, yeah, I think that's another part of the stigma is people are like, well, I don't want to say I have postpartum depression because now people are going to think I'm going to hurt myself or hurt another, yeah. or hurt my baby. And it's like, that's not postpartum depression. That's right. a totally different thing. And um, women who have bipolar disorder are most likely to develop postpartum psychosis like bipolar disorder before they have a before baby. they get pregnant mm-hmm. uh-huh. 
Yeah, that's interesting. And 60% of women with postpartum depression also had signs of anxiety disorder. So it's actually a little bit more rare to have postpartum anxiety and not have postpartum depression. Oh. So it is kind of weird hmm. that, like, we both had yeah. experience with that when most people who have it, it's, like, along with postpartum depression. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I, like, wish... It's hard, too, even when I try to think back of, like, how I was feeling. Like, okay, I know that I was having these random panic attacks, and that seemed really random, and I couldn't control them, or nothing was triggering them that I knew of that I could Mm -hmm. figure out. And I, like, I, like, tracked my food, I tracked my exercise, I tracked what I was thinking of, or I, like, re, like, I readjusted what I was watching before I went to bed, or what I was reading. I did all these things, and it just seemed, like, chemical, like, super Mm -hmm. chemical. Like, you couldn't control it. Yeah, I couldn't control it. And so, um, so I know I had all that and then I like, so I had definitely some fears that I had never had before, but kind of like you were saying with your situation, it's also the first time I'm a mom. Mm -hmm. So is this a, I think it is a normal fear to worry about your kid. Like, yeah, I think that that feels that overall fear of their safety is normal. Right. Like any mom that's not at all worried about the safety of their kid is like, that feels abnormal that you're not worrying about it. So I'm not sure if it was like postpartum anxiety or depression, but I honestly, I think more and more is like post-traumatic stress disorder, mm-hmm. but I hated using that term because of the stigma again is like, to me, that's like reserved for war veterans. Like, yeah. You know? Which is not true. That like is victims the most... of like rape or attempted right. murder or something. So I like, okay, my little C-section is probably not that horrible, but really it tra- trauma is trauma is trauma. You know, mm-hmm. it's like just because I can compare it to someone else's trauma and say, oh, this feels not as traumatic right. <laughs> doesn't mean it didn't affect me on a traumatic level. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. No, I've heard that from a lot of moms who had a completely like terrifying birth. Right. Yeah. Because it totally. can be terrifying in a lot of ways. Oh, for sure. I think C-section is probably the most common, but I had never also had very scary. a stitch before, like never had stitches. And then all of a sudden it was in an OR getting cut open. Like right. that is very quickly, so like quickly, like yeah. not it's a, it's it a wasn't little different in my when head. it's a, a planned yeah. C-section where you're like, oh, I had one. I'm going to plan yes. this out. I'm going to have a date. I'm going to go in. Like, that's yeah. that's more calming because you know what to expect. Yeah. You know. Totally. It's a very different And I had, I mean, probably um, to my detriment, I should have probably researched it more, but I hadn't even looked at it because I was so convinced I was going to have my natural birth that I was like, I'm not even going to look at a C-section thing. I'm not even going to, like, read mm-hmm. about it or figure out what to do postpartum or stock up on like a lot of the goods that you need postpartum after C-section because I'm not going to have one. Well, that as much as like you want your head in the right space for a natural birth, that was just being ignorant. Like I should have at least looked into it or listened to my birth instructor when she talked about it. Like, and I did none of those things. (laughs) So it was a complete 180 as far as you could go. And it was honestly without any complications. It was just all Mm. traumatic to me. Right. (laughs) But my body did fine. So. Yeah. So, um, I think if you're feeling any of these things, definitely talk to your doctor or nurse yeah. or somebody about it and then look into therapy, medications. I mean, there's a lot of support. Yeah. Exercise. I mean, there's a lot of things you can try naturally, but, you know, it might be good to try some things naturally first and then talk to your doctor, therapist, mm-hmm. and then if you want to go the route of medications, that's totally fine too. And you and can nurse with a lot of them. Yeah. 
find like hopefully this person for you as your partner that you have this baby with, but maybe not. Find mm-hmm. family or friend or um, your spouse or whoever that you can actually talk to and tell them how you're feeling or ask them for like, hey, what have you been seeing in me? What like differences have you noticed in me? Have you noticed that I'm like not as happy or not as interested in things or I'm saying no more often? Or more and irritable. More irritable, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to like think of like what I dealt with was like, I just wasn't interested in stuff. I said no a lot. Like everything was such a big deal. Like, oh, I can't go. I'm going to have to bring my baby and it's going to be this whole thing. And like now I'm like, yeah, let's go. Yeah. You know, (laughs) easy peasy. Yeah. So now, especially with a second. But I also want to encourage those moms. Like I was worried about getting pregnant again and like having to go through those feelings again. And honestly, I haven't. So, like, yeah, I on it. Josh and I talk about it all the time, like how different this birth has been. And I don't know if it was just like a better mental state or an awareness of what I dealt with the first time. I wish I could tell you how to avoid it the second time, but I was so afraid because all the statistics are just like, if you had it the first time, you're gonna have it for the rest of your life. Every time you have a baby, and it's like, not necessarily. I've also, heard, I've also heard like another mom's experience. She had a great first birth, great everything. Never had it. Her right. second kid came along. She was like eight months in. Her child was like eight months old, and then all of a sudden she's like, I started getting these symptoms, and Aww. she had no idea. And then what I learned too is postpartum depression can develop that first year. Right. So like your child could be 11 months old Yep. and all of a sudden it can hit you. So totally. That's another thing. I think a lot of women are just like, oh, well, if you don't have it when your baby's three months old, then you're, you're good. You're in the clear. And that's not true. Yeah. A girl I am in friends with over Instagram actually posted about, she's struggling with anxiety and her son is seven days younger than her. Mm -hmm. And I reached out to her and I was just like, Hey, like, thanks for sharing. Like, I think it's really important to do. It's her second baby. She didn't struggle with it with her first. Mm -hmm. And then it was like, he's only two months old, just like Nora is. And I wrote to her and I said, I struggled through something with my first kid. I hope it doesn't come back because it, it is something that can strike at any time and you don't have control over it. Like as much as maybe someone who's unsupportive or doesn't understand mental health tries to tell you to just shake it off or you'll be fine. That's not how it works. You know, don't blame yourself that you can't just stop worrying. Don't just blame yourself that you can't just stop being sad. There's a chemical imbalance that you need help either working through with a therapist a good friend or medication. Mm-hmm. So, and that's okay. <laughs> it's yep. totally okay. And could be very temporary too. Right. So get it under control. The faster you get it under control, the faster you can start to heal from it and move on. Mm-hmm. And if you just sit in kind of that lull, like I did for like a year and be like, Oh, and it honestly, like in the moment, if you would have asked me, I would have said, Oh no, I'm not struggling through any of that. And that's how I answered my doctor's questions. Cause I really didn't think I was, mm-hmm. but after he turned a year old, I was like, Oh, Wow, mm-hmm. this is, I don't think I've been in the right headspace for a while, you know? I just didn't notice it at the time. Yeah, so just know, it can strike. It's not your fault. Yeah. And there's support and things out there to Things help you, you can do to help. Yeah. And again, we believe that mental health is just as important as physical health, just as important as exercise and eating healthy. So don't think that, like, it, it just doesn't matter because it does. It's just as important. Um, so yeah, you can follow us at diet.riot.podcast on Instagram. Woo-hoo. You can email us at hello at dietriotpodcast.com. Is that right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Hello at dietriotpodcast.com. <laughs> yeah, I do. I'm no. really good at answering people the same day they email. Sorry. No, Sorry, sarcastic. Guys. We have a new I'm baby. getting better at it. Yeah, I know. I emailed this guy back who had emailed us and I was like, sorry, I, uh, had a child and, uh, I know it's been about three weeks, but, uh. 
are we still good or whatever <laughs> it was pretty funny so yeah it has understanding about it that's good um <laughs> i have an infant child i have a newborn um yeah. but yeah so email us or send us a message if you guys have any questions but we will definitely be yeah. talking or more recommendations of other podcasts we should record mm-hmm. different yes. topics sounds yeah. good all right catch you guys next tuesday bye bye baby she's ready to eat is she hungry hi yeah. <laughs> sorry <laughs> that's what jesse does too. um he's hungry, he's hungry. here you go here's your child yes. <laughs> he'll be like boob brooke boob boob <laughs> just yell boob boob my son goes we mom need she needs her boob mom she needs your oh, boob he says that. oh my god yes that's funny at first i was like trying to make him be all like no not talking about boobs but now i'm like whatever whatever yeah that's how they're fed what am i supposed to do now it's how they're fed oh yeah hungry baby hey, we're good what happened oh no we're still recording okay oh yeah you thought i paused it no. i thought you actually it's all in there it. the boob talk is all in there. oh god that was good blooper <laughs> good blooper for real